Good morning and welcome to the Jesuit Institute Hour on Radio Veritas. I'm Francis Correa and this morning we're going to be thinking about June 16 and what it means now that we are 40 years after one of the most traumatic experiences of our history. If we were to cast our minds back 40 years ago, this morning at about this time, thousands of students in the township of Soweto, outside Johannesburg, were gathered at their schools and beginning to march towards Orlando Stadium. As they came through Orlando West, about 50 police opened fire on the students, and some were killed, many were injured, and it sparked the beginning of a series of riots, series of clashes with students and police across the country. It was also a shocking incident in the sense that these were children, these were secondary school children who were protesting the introduction of Afrikaans as the medium of instruction, and beyond that who were protesting the inhumane system of education that they were forced to endure. Today we're going to be talking about June 16, about what it means for us now, 40 years after the event. We're going to be chatting at first with Father Rampech Lopo, who is a Jesuit priest who grew up in Orlando West and who has some memories from that time, but also has some thoughts about what that means for us now. And then we're going to be chatting with some young secondary school students, people the same age as the children who were killed that day, who themselves are thinking about what it means for them as young South Africans 40 years after this experience, as they look towards their own lives, their own future, but also as they think about their experience of education and of life in South Africa today. So good morning and welcome. We're going to talk to Father Rampe now. Good morning, Rampe. How are you? I'm well, and how are you, Francis? Um, thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. Lovely to talk to you again. Thank you. So, Rampe, maybe what would be very helpful for us is just to talk about what it felt like growing up in Orlando West, what it felt like to, to kind of grow up with the awareness that this great tragedy had happened in the streets you were walking. Well, good morning to your listeners. Uh, yeah, first, it's a, it's a very, uh, I don't want to say emotional, but an, an interesting uh, that we have today and uh, a moment of reflection for us. I mean, obviously, I was not uh, in school or in high school like there were those students who were protesting, but um, I was uh, already four years old at that time and uh, growing up in uh, what was then... Uh, uh, Orlando West and in Zimshope, just down the road from the uh, the top hostel, yeah. uh, there were riots in the streets. I have vague memories of that as, as a little child, and I also have uh, memories of uh, the wars that were going on between the uh, Orlando West residents and uh, the uh, the hostel dwellers. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it, it was a moment where there was that division as well amongst the community. Uh, I think there was a, a serious, uh, uh, what you call, uh, uh, divide and rule, which put uh, residents uh, in the land west and uh, hostel dwellers who were mi- mainly migrants from then Natal, Brazilian Natal, who had come to Johannesburg to work in, in, in the factories, in, in, in Johannesburg, and in the mines as well. So uh, when the students protested, we, we saw them as, as little children. We were not in school. We were around there. I was living with my grandparents in November Street in Zimbabwe. And uh, 
it was a, a very uh, traumatic experience for little children as it were because we were not only running away from the incidents that were happening around there, we were also afraid of the attacks from the hostel because there was already a tension between the hostel dwellers and, and, and the residents uh, in, in, in Muslim shopping. So those are some of the vague memories that, that, I, that I, 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 I have with me and, uh, and still remember uh, well. Thanks, Rampe. There's something, as you were talking about the the sense I had of, of actually there's a great deal of pain around around those memories, that that even though time has passed, there's something about that was a very traumatic period in in history and and to have to have the memories of the people living with you talking about it, but also the experience of of the various tensions, that it was even more complex than just the clash between students and police, but that there was that whole strategy of the apartheid government of divide and rule of of inciting violence in communities and inciting distrust. And I just I just wonder when you think about that now, from this point of view, how do, how do you think that shapes the people, how it shaped you, how it influenced how you think about the world? Well, <laughs> it's... Firstly, you know, one, one grows up with this traumatic experience, and, and growing up you realize there was a lot of injustice going on, and, and you don't want another person or another generation to go through the same traumatic experience it raises issues of, of justice, uh, issues of... And, and from a personal experience, growing up, we go through this education system, which the students of 1976 were fighting against. Uh, for example, in, in my education, uh, the education that I had growing up in Soweto, it, it was uh, when then Bantu education, which then we ended up with what we called the, the DET education, which was an inferior education. And you look at a, a system where you were rendered uh, inferior, systematically, you know, uh, inferior from your white counterparts and others. So it's a system that creates a lot of anger as one grows up. You're thinking, okay, I've been denied certain uh, opportunities of human development and uh, and I grew up through a system which was trying to make me inferior and make me feel less of a human being than others, you know, than my white counterparts. So that that created a little bit, uh, a little bit of resentment. And and if one's not careful, one can grow up with this anger, which can create hate for others. And so, but when one looks at the bigger picture, you know, you look at. Uh, what happened on that day when the students uh, were marching the, uh, and the uprising itself, you, you see that it, it was a, a, the necessary, uh, a necessary event. You know, it, it needed to happen because we couldn't go on like that. We couldn't have a situation where human beings were denied opportunities, were denied their human dignity, you know. Um, so... Um, one, it, it, it's a mixed feeling. There's a feeling of joy and, 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 and uh, gratitude for what they did, but also there's a feeling of anger, for, uh, of anger of, uh, because of, of what other human beings did to, 
to 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 their their human counterparts, meaning the black uh, counterparts. Yeah. I like that kind of sense you have of a contrast between two feelings, that there's there's the anger and the, the realization of the systematic injustice and evil of apartheid on the one hand, but then on the other there's the sense of, of you used the word joy, and I thought that was quite an interesting word. Um, there's a kind of a joy, a gratitude for the bravery of the young people who challenged the system and who in, in many ways I think one could see um, June 16, 1976 is really the beginning of the walk towards the end of apartheid, even if it did take a very long time. From that period onwards, there was never again a, a, a sense in which the apartheid government could sit back on its laurels and say, we've won. Yeah. And, and I think it is also important to realize that the, the events of June 6, 1976 were just a beginning of, of uh, a long uh, battle against this uh, system. Because when I was 10 years later, when I was in high school, or already in high school in Orlando West High, uh, what was known as Matsuke, just not far away from where Hector Peterson was shot, yeah. we, we were celebrating or we, we were commemorating the 10th anniversary of, of this event. And the... The intensity of, of the uh, uprising of, of the opposition towards the system, and it, it, it had not uh, kind of waned down. It, it was still as strong as it was in 1976. And you will remember in the 80s when P.W. Boto was, was now the, 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 the president, there were all this state of emergency and uh, many political parties were, 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 were banned. So you, you had in the townships then... Uh, uh, student organizations like COSAS and uh, Congress of South African Students, the Soweto Congress of uh, Students, the UDF, and uh, leading, the up, uh, leading the protests against this system, uh, which had not been defeated yet, you know, and that was like 10 years later, and, and we all know that all, came, that all that came to an end around 1989, 1990. Yeah. So it, it was really a, a long battle. Uh, uh, which we, we had to continue as teenagers as well. Yes, I think that that's a very a real sense. When one looks at the history, one really sees that June 16, that the students then began something that inexorably led to the downfall of apartheid, that, that it became the movement that caught the hearts and minds of people, not only in the country, but I think all around the world. It really, it highlighted the plight of black South Africans, it highlighted the evil of apartheid, and it, it brought it into focus in a way that could not be forgotten. Yes. Uh, and, and I think one, one other important thing, we, we should not also forget uh, uh, the, 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 the international support. Because the, the events of 1976, I think we should remember that uh, I think, arguably, South Africa became the largest refugee-producing country in Africa after those events because many, many young people left the country to go to uh, what then the frontline states, you know, Zimbabwe, Zambia, uh, Tanzania, that took them in as refugees. So there was so, so, so solidarity from, from these other countries who by then had already had their independence and they supported the cause of these students. So the, the, the international aspect of it, it's it also important 
to be to be considered as well. I think we, without that, they we, we couldn't have done it alone. You know, as as South Africans, you know, we we had a, a, a countries that supported our refugees. We had countries that put sanctions against South Africa because of this event of of June 16. So there is a, an international sector also involved in that. So it, it triggered a whole lot of things which led to our emancipation in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. I'd like to change the, the, the kind of flavor of the conversation slightly. I know, because I know you, um, that you have a real interest and insight into Catholic social teaching, and you've just written something for the Jesuit Institute where you explore a little bit about some of the key ideas of Catholic social teaching and how we see those played out in what happened in June 16, 1976, but also how how we as South Africans, so it's a kind of two-part question, both if you'd like to just talk a little bit about some of those principles of Catholic social teaching on the one hand, and how they were played out concretely on the ground, and then to talk a little bit perhaps about what you think about um, the challenges from June 16 for us as as people formed in Christianity, formed in Catholicism, today, given the situation we find ourselves in. Well, I, I suppose the, the, the principles of the, of the Catholic social teaching, I, I think they, they, are, they are very important. Fundamentally, is, is is the whole idea of, of respect for human dignity, and you, you will remember that the, uh, the the social teaching, the teachings of, of the Catholic Church, they started with the uh, uh, Rerum Novarum and uh, the papal encyclical called Rerum Novarum, which was made up of the concerns of the conditions of the worker. So it's a it's a it's a very uh, orientated uh, uh, teaching. So at the heart of it, it's this uh, human dignity. Mm. The events that of 1976, I, I see them as, as, as uh, events that were influenced by, partly by some of that. You know, these were students who were not only fighting against Africans mm. that are imposed in their education system, but they were fighting for human dignity, the dignity of the black people, mm. you know. And uh, you, you also have the the, 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 the the principle of the common good. You realize that in, in, in our system, in, in, in the apartheid system, the white child in, in the school was given more opportunities, quite better quality education than the black child. So resources were not distributed in such a way that they could benefit all of us and and that principle of common good also comes into play there. You know. So I, I think this uh, incident, I mean, the, 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 the two principles of human dignity and common good, they are very much at play when we look at this incident of, of uh, 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 June 16, 1976. And for us, it becomes a challenge and, and, and a lesson that we, we, we should respect each other, we should protect the, uh, uh, the dignity of another human person. We should also be concerned about the common good so that my well-being should be the well-being of others as well. You know, and, and I think that's the, the basic uh, uh, teaching uh, of, of, on the principle of the common good. 
and also you have the question of the the, the solidarity, which which I mentioned in in, in that uh, article that I wrote, and basically bringing out. And in this day and age, where we read a lot about the suffering of refugees and migrants, we remember that our young people who left this country to go to other countries, they received the support they needed. Not only, uh, you know, uh, the the diplomatic uh, uh, tensions that were raised between uh, South Africa and those countries that received them, but those countries also gave them the skills and, and the education that they needed so that when they come back into South Africa, they could be leaders with skills to be able to lead the country. So there was an element of, of solidarity there as well. So those are the three uh, main principles of the Catholic social teaching that I, I brought out in, in, in my article. Thank you, Rampe. Well, the second yeah. part of that question, when you think about those three principles now in terms of our context here in 2016, 40 years after June 16, what do you think, what challenges do you think um, God is offering to us, essentially, as we look around the situation we find ourselves in now? Well, I think the challenges are enormous, but not insurmountable. Um, firstly, when when we look at the dignity, the, the human dignity, I, I think I think we we have to start to look at how we treat one another, how we look at a, the other person. We are not just a people, but we are people created in the image of God, and with that image of God comes in the human dignity. And also when you look at the whole question of the incarnation, the incarnation which is when, you know, the, the word that became flesh, you know, also uh, reinforces that human dignity with which we were created. So we are not just people, we are not just creatures of God. We are a, a created as human beings, in the image of God, with the dignity that comes with, with, with that image of God in us. So, treating one another should, uh, or, or that, that knowledge should influence the way we treat one another. So, I don't just deal with you as a being, but I deal with you as a human being carrying the image of God. And that demands respect. That demands that I treat you justly. That demands that I be concerned about your good. I be concerned about your well-being as well as a person carrying the image of God. So that's one way of, of, of looking, and that's the challenge that, that it poses to us today. How do we relate to one another? Do we relate to one another as just creatures, or do we relate to one another as people who are the image of God. And, and we know from, from uh, Matthew 25, Christ said clearly that whatever you did to the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it to me. So you are not just a, a human being. You are somebody who is carrying the image of God. You are a representative of Christ. So it, it is a challenge. And, 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 and it challenges. And, and that's what I think Pope Francis has been trying to emphasize especially when, when dealing with the question of refugees and migrants, the, the problem that we've been hearing about and reading about in, in the media. You know, uh, the image of God in those people
There's almost uh, there's almost a sense that we need to, we as South Africans now, when we when we are living in a free society, need to extend the same solidarity and hospitality as we received in the in the late 70s and 80s from our African brothers and sisters. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not only a matter of <coughs> reciprocating. I, one can reciprocate or choose not to reciprocate. But I, I think what, what what is important here is it's a question of uh, seeing Christ in the other. Hmm. You know, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. So, if 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 we fail to see Christ in the other, then we end up treating the other as an entity, as opposed to uh, an image of God, or as opposed to a person representing Christ, a representative of Christ. So, uh, the, the solidarity is also important in that regard, because then. We, we we are not only dealing with human beings, but we are dealing with Christ Himself. So it's a challenge that 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 that, that uh, uh, I think we are facing as well as as South Africans. That how do we see these people and how do we treat them? And uh, we should also keep in mind the knowledge that these are representatives of Christ. Well, thank you very much, Rampe. This has been a, a brilliant time of talking to you. Just for our listeners, we're on the Jesuit Institute Hour on Radio Veritas. We're talking today about June 16 and the events of June 16. And we've just been talking to Father Rampe Chlopo, who grew up in Orlando West and who is one of the Jesuits currently working down in Cape Town. And we thank you very much for spending some time with us on the show, Rampe, and hope to and talk to you, you again soon. Thank you very much, and uh, have a perfect uh, uh, June 16 or oh, youth day, as we call it today. Thank you. Okay, good youth day. Bye. Bye. Broken silence is what I
So we've been listening to Asin Bonanga by Johnny Clegg, remembering, of course, those who either died or were imprisoned during the apartheid time. We're now moving to a slightly different moment in our, in our program today. You're on Radio Veritas, listening to the Jesuit Institute Hour. If you'd like to SMS in, you can SMS us on 41809 or call the studio on 011-452-7115. I'll just give you those numbers again. The SMS line, 41809, or the studio line, 011-452-7115. This morning, I'm very fortunate to have two... Uh, secondary school students, two secondary school learners from Sacred Heart College in the audience with me, in the studio with me. I have Daniel and Didi, who are both about the same age as the students who would have been marching 40 years ago. And we're going to have a little bit of a conversation with them about what they think about June 16 and what they think about being the age they are at the moment. So welcome to the studio, guys. Thank you. Thanks. So for starters, do you want to, each of you, maybe starting with Didi and then moving to Daniel, just tell me a little bit about yourself, what you're studying at school, what your favorite areas of study, favorite hobbies are, just so we get a sense of who you are. Okay, well, I am 15 and I'm in grade 10 and I do drama, IT and physics. Wow. Those are my chosen subjects <laughs> besides the four that you have to do. And I quite I, I didn't really want to take physics, but I took it because it opens a lot of doors. And I found it quite interesting, actually, even though I struggle with it. And then IT, I've, I'm terrible with technology, but I just wanted to try it out because programming has always seemed so cool to me. And I took drama as well because it's 
quite fun and even though for most of my life I've been more of an art student I want to go into screenwriting possibly when I finish school so drama would help me through that path. Okay, that sounds wonderful. So you've got math, science and drama. Sounds like an amazing combination. Daniel. Uh, hi everyone. I take history, drama and biology as my chosen subjects right. as well as AP maths as an extra. And I take history because I love learning and can retain facts quite well. And I've always had an interest in learning history. Uh, I take drama because I've been told I'm not a bad actor and I'm involved in the school's sound and lights department and would like to go into film directing after school. So I'm very happy taking drama. And I take biology because at first I was taking IT but I really wasn't enjoying it, so I switched to biology and I'm very much enjoying it now. Okay, so both of you are talking about quite a rounded, expansive school education. When you were listening earlier to what we were saying about June 16 and, and also dipping into what you know from history, from what your family may have spoken about, what do you, what do you feel um, in terms of your own experience of schooling and education in contrast to what the young people 40 years ago were feeling about their experience? Well, I feel that we are very fortunate to have been born when we were born and to go to a school like Sacred Heart and to be given the privilege to get the education that we do get because it's just not available to so many people. Even now, you know, so many years later, we're still struggling to get education to a certain level for everyone. And I think everyone deserves, you know, to be getting the same kind of education. And it's just, we're still struggling to get there. So you're talking there, Didi, about an awareness that you see yourself as being privileged both in historically and that you're not born under apartheid, but also privileged now and that you can go to a school like Sacred Heart and that you're not struggling at a school that's maybe under-resourced and doesn't really have the same opportunities that you're being given. Yes, completely, because I see nowadays there's so many schools on the news or in newspapers where these, the, these projects have been started and you see these schools with their walls but only a few classes and I just wonder, you know, what happened? Why did they stop building them? Why have they not been finished? You know, why are we not putting more into building proper schools? But then not only just the school buildings, also, you know, having textbooks and just teachers who teach very well, all of that is just missing in a lot of schools. So you kind of you you're sitting with an awareness of your own privilege, but also maybe some of what Rampe was saying, an awareness that the common good actually dictates that that should be available for every child. Yes. Daniel, do you want to say something about what you feel about education at the moment and about being a secondary student? Um, I actually feel kind of worried as a secondary student because with all the 
not as much as recent, but with all the fees must fall campaigns and protests, it somewhat makes me worry about as a secondary student what's going to happen after I join the adult world as a university student. And uh, even though the June 16th protests were very much different to the fees must fall, I feel like it's somewhat becoming this generation's June 16th. It's, uh, I think the youth has very much got a feel now of the severity of the world that it can be and how scary it can be and how when you're in high school things are a lot more simple than they are outside. Didi, do you want to say something in response to that? Um, no, it, was, it wasn't in response to that. I was just going to speak about something else that I just can't remember. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll come back to you. So there's something about seeing parallels between the fees must fall, which is tertiary students protesting now, and, and the June 16 students protesting at secondary level. Do you, do you think there are, there are some, some clearer links? What are the, the, the similarities you see between those two um, moments of protest? I see that the youth in both cases were very unhappy and felt they needed to take charge to get change and took it into their own hands and that there's a lot of violence relating to it and it's not happy stuff to think about. It's still even today a very emotional thing for people who lived through them to to, to talk about and that uh, they, they both seem like very groundbreaking events. So there's something about in both cases, young people taking taking a lead really in in talking about social change and saying the way that society is set up isn't working for us. We can see that this is problematic, and when adults fail to take account of that and to really take charge of that, it seems as though in South Africa, a lot of the resistance has been led or initiated by young people first by by the secondary school students in June 16. And then now, in our own time, by university students who are a little bit older, but not much older. So there's something really interesting going on there, isn't there? There's a kind of sense of, of history repeating itself. Definitely. And, and in a way, you know, it's I kind of I'm struck by what Rampe was saying about there's both fear and sadness, but there's also kind of a joy and an energy to that. Um, it seems to me there's also a space for challenge. There's a space for for asking yourselves as young adults um, or young people on the brink of adulthood, you know, what is my contribution? What is the gift I bring to the world? Um, all of this, it makes me sort of think about that question where people ask, you know, who deserves um, tertiary education or not who deserves, but you know what what makes it a right for you because some people say you know if you're getting the good marks then you should be allowed to get free education but then so many people haven't been given the basics to 
they haven't even been given the the opportunities to achieve high marks. So how are they expected to do well enough to get into these universities? So you're pointing there a kind of a whole systematic evil in a, in education, where one's seeing a history of people not having sufficient basic education, really right from pre-primary education all the way to, to, to tertiary education. And you're, you're pointing out correctly, Didi, that this is a real problem in South African education, which we know about. This is a problem that we've talked about a lot. It's in the news. We hear about it all the time. And there's a sense, I think, in which some of the anger is about a failure of a dream. You know? When yeah. apartheid fell, I think for those of us who were young adults at that time, for me, I was, I was at university when we voted for the first time, um, and it was like a dream. It was like the dream of, of a new South Africa. It was very real, and I can see that for 20 years down the line, that dream has soured a little, and there's a sense that we haven't achieved what we, what we really wanted. I'm going to take a moment just to remind the listeners, you're listening to the Jesuit Institute Hour on Radio Veritas, and we're talking to two young learners from Sacred Heart College, Dee Dee and Daniel, who both agreed to come in on their public holiday, got up early this morning to share with you some of their thoughts. And if you'd like to call in or to SMS us, the studio line is 011-452-7115 and the SMS line is 41809. I'd like to just ask you to take a, a, a slightly different tack. I want to do something that... I sometimes get people to do when I, when I wear my other hat as a spiritual director in the Jesuit Institute. I'd like you to close your eyes for a moment, both of you. And I'd like you just to imagine, just for a moment, what it might have felt like to have been a student like you are now at a school like Sacred Heart, to have woken up on June 16 to the news of the police opening fire on a group of school students just like yourselves. Instead of it being something in history, I'd like you to imagine it as if it had happened today. And just notice in yourself, what do you think your initial response would have been? What would you have felt if you had seen that on the television? What would have been your overwhelming response? Daniel, why don't you start? Um, I sort of feel like I would have suddenly felt an overwhelming feeling of rage and just sick to my stomach about how something like that could have happened and how the police could just do that to students who aren't even adults yet and they're they're trying to get rights for themselves, and it just seems so unfair and so cruel to to do that to so many people who haven't been able to live their lives as fully as they would have have liked to. Didi, yes, I I agree. I would also be so outraged and so upset because these students, all they all they were doing was trying to get justice and to get some equality and them, you know, standing up for themselves and trying to make a difference 
resulting in this would just be so terrible. And do you think you would feel any desire to stand with them, a kind of sense of solidarity? No, I definitely do, because, you know, it's it affects all of us, the sort of thing. We're losing our own, our people, our are fighting for something and I feel, I feel like with all movements you know even if you aren't personally being affected your con- your contribution and you just helping out and you supporting the movement makes it makes makes more people hear about it and makes it better known you know it's not only people who are being oppressed or are disadvantaged who can make a difference it's everyone. So I'd like to just leave you with a kind of thought. Given those feelings that that kind of experience aroused in you, it's just a, a thought for yourselves and for the listeners. If you tap into those feelings from then, if you were to think about, well, what might God be inviting me to or challenging me to in my life now or in my life going forwards, what does that, does that spark a chord with you? Um, yeah, I think it does. I, I feel, I, I think I, I might have felt then that it was my duty to, as a person, um, a member of the youth, to, to stand up and to fight for what is right because of the injustice that had occurred. And I definitely would have wanted to try make as big of an impact as I could and I think what the way things are today um, what actually happened yesterday at school was we put on a June 16th assembly uh-huh. the, the history students and the drama students and apparently according to a lot of people it was one of the best ones the school had put on in a long time so I feel like that's a pretty good contribution to try and get a message across and to try make it as big of an impact as we can. And not to forget the sacrifice those young people made. What do you feel about the assembly? It sounds like quite a fun assembly. Yeah, I, I've since grade 7, the, the assemblies that the high school has put on, it's always the grade 10's job to put on an assembly. And I, the thing about our grade, I mean, I don't want to brag or anything. Go ahead. You're on radio. I just think that as the years are going on, people are becoming so creative and they're, they're so passionate about these topics, you know, because especially at Sacred Heart, so many of us, even though we may not, we don't come from the same backgrounds, you know, we all know that we are fortunate to go to Sacred Heart. And so we, we put a lot of that, you know, um, we put a lot of our appreciation into our work. We want to make work that's quality and, you know, we don't want to downplay. Do you want to, we've just got a few moments, do you want to just tell me what you actually did? What was the assembly? Um, well, we had uh, a little bit of a demonstration sort of protest thing where people dressed up in school uniform and they led the whole school into the hall and then, you know, people would say various things on the stage. I'm not completely sure. I don't do history. (laughs) 
And then the drama students, we did a poem. Um, it's quite a, I don't remember who the poem was by, but we just, we said the poem, but we also incorporated movement. Okay. Do you want to say something else about it, Daniel? Uh, sure. Uh, because I was a history, I am a history student, um, I was a lot more involved in the planning and leading up to the assembly, and uh, I actually played a somewhat role in the beginning. I had to play a policeman who was opening fire on the students, and okay. for me, that was a very hard thing to pull off because that's something I feel I would never want to do and never want to be a part of, but because it was demanded for the assembly, I just had to put my personal self aside and what was left I had to use to kind of give myself this motivation for just attacking students and it really it's not a nice thing to do if you let it get to yourself personally but the thing is with drama is you have to kind of let yourself go for a moment and I think we made a big impact that day Okay, so there's something amazing in what you're doing. I think it's really important because you're keeping the memory of what June 16 is alive. And there's something I hear even as you talk about reenacting it, about making the phrase that's in my mind is that in a way you transmute pain into beauty. And I think you were describing that with the drama students and the poem. That's, that's really a gift. And that some of the work of making sense, making meaning out of the tragedy that June 16 was, and, and keeping it alive, keeping it as a challenge for us as we go forwards. We're going to take a break now and listen to some more music. We're listening to Miriam Makeba, who was, of course, herself banned because of her singing and her ability during the period of apartheid. <laughs> Kaoleza is a South African song. It comes from the townships, locations, reservations, whichever, near the cities of South Africa, where all the black South Africans live. The children shout from the streets as they see police cars coming to raid their homes for one thing or another. They say, Kaoleza, Mama, which simply means, hurry, Mama, please. Please don't let them catch you. Don't 
So we were listening to Miriam Akeba singing Kaoleza. You are on Radio Veritas on the Jesuit Institute Hour, and we're just coming up to the end of the hour. We've been talking this morning to two young students from Sacred Heart College, to Didi and to Daniel, and we're very grateful for them for having been with us. And we've also just been remembering some of what it meant to be at June 16. We've been inviting you to think about June 16. And in, in the whole process of Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit approach to life, one of the things that's really important is that we, we think about the role of memory, we think about the role of, of God active in history. And this question that I was asking the students, I really want to ask to you too, this question of challenge. When we think about June 16, what is the challenge that God is offering to you as you remember that time? When we look around today, do we see places where we need to be thinking of those three principles of Catholic social teaching? We've got a telephone call coming through. Hi. Yes, good morning. Hello. Hello, good morning. My name's Jean Jones. Hi, Jean. How are you? 89 years old. Wow. So you yes, remember... So I certainly was alive during that time. And I just want to say, I think your name is Francis. Yes. Well, uh, you don't mind if I say that. It's such a beautiful name. And after all, uh, the focus, Francis. That's so true. So you're in wonderful company. I, I'm just phoning you. I know you're ending. To say your program is just wonderful. Oh, thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. And, and Father Emil, who knows me so well, uh, I would like just to mention that I did phone in because you were supposed to begin a week earlier than you did come on. And I actually refused an engagement to get out because I couldn't wait to hear. <laughs> and then the next week you did start. I hope it's going to be for several weeks or months. Uh, it's just tops. It's just wonderful. Well, thank you very, oh, very I enjoy, much. I enjoy every moment of listening. And the two, two young people you've interviewed, absolutely wonderful. Thank you, Francis, for giving an old person such a lift up, raising one's spirits and one's thoughts. God bless you. And God bless you too. I can't wait for next Thursday. Excellent. Look forward to listening have a, to having have you a listen to us. Day. Thank you. And Be blessed. God bless the two young people. We have got wonderful intentions and thoughts. Thank God you. bless you. Goodbye. Thank you dear. very much. Okay, so that's lovely. I hope there are more of you out there who are being inspired because I think that's really what June 16 is about. It's about a challenge and an inspiration. It's about God really saying to us, how do we implement in our own lives those three principles that Father Rampe was talking about? The principle of treating others with human dignity, the recognition that we are all created in the image and likeness of God. I know you've been hearing a lot about the pilgrimage to Rome for the canonization of Mother Teresa. And I always remember something she said about this, where she spoke about always seeing Jesus in the face of the other. If we, if we as Christians can see Jesus in the face of the other, whoever that other is and whatever their belief is, that's irrelevant. It is our task to see God in the other. That's the one thing, that sense of human dignity, a shared human dignity. And the second Again, that idea of the common good, that what works for the common good. You know, and we, we live in a society which is, is deeply fractured, where the, the difference between wealth and poverty is vast. And how do I change my life? How do I, how do I live a simple life so that others may simply live, is essentially the question there. And then thirdly, that sense of solidarity, the, 
the need to be with those who are in any way poor or afflicted. We remember those opening lines of the Constitution of the Catholic Church, Gaudium et Spes. You know, the hopes and joys, the griefs and anxieties of the people of this age, these are the hopes and joys, the griefs and anxieties of the followers of Christ. That, if you like, is the challenge. And so as we lead out this evening, I, this morning, sorry, momentary lapse there, I'd like you, as we're listening to the music of the mission, just to allow yourself to have a sense of inspiration, a sense of God's challenge. Today, June 16, what is it that God asks of you? <laughs> 